Hello and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast. My name is Oliver Brady and my co-host is Sarah Ift-Decker. Hello, we talk about uh, uh, medieval and medieval-esque fantasy movies, TV and books. And we discuss what they get right, what they get wrong, and what they tell us about how uh, modern people view the medieval past. Now, Sarah, I love dudes stabbing each other with swords. Like, that's that's pretty much what I'm all about. Um, what about dudes stabbing it, each other with other things, as we have in this movie? Uh, they can stab each other with whatever it is they want to do. It Maybe even a circumcision knife would be good. But why did you decide to do this podcast? I decided to do this podcast because I am a medieval historian. That is my my day job. I teach pre-modern history at the university level and have a PhD. Oh, so. oh yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm a PhD. Just in, throw it in out medieval there. Hi- in medieval history, making me the most qualified person to talk about medieval history. So... Of the... Of the two people in this podcast, you're definitely the most qualified person <laughs> to talk about medieval history. I have what is literally um, the qualification one could have. Now, one thing that we always need to get off at the start of the podcast is that there are certain things that are definitely true about the medieval period. Um, and we're going to see whether or not this movie lives up to those truths. And uh, they are that one, if you're a peasant, you're fucked because... People, pretty much people are just going to randomly kill you all the time. Slightly less than and in movies. It's slightly less than in movies. And the second one is that Prima Nocta was a thing. It was not. Um, it definitely was. Uh, definitely wasn't. It, as uh, what those jerk early modernists made up. As Beth Greenfield said when she was on, that would be Sarah If Decker's mom. She said, there wouldn't be a name for it if it wasn't real. And that is, in fact, true. So... Uh, myself and your mother both agree that Prima Nocta was a thing, and therefore it was. So to this movie, Sarah, I think features all of those and more. We watched The Physician from 2013, which I think is a Netflix original. Oh, is it? <laughs> it might be. I'm not sure. Oh. I mean, so this is a movie that I found because, I guess because Netflix has come to the realization that I have terrible taste in movies. And so it recommended this movie to me as obviously you want to watch this weird medieval movie that no one's ever heard of, (laughs) Um, which it turns out is based on a novel by a guy named Noah Gordon, who apparently just writes a lot of books about Jews because spoiler alert, guys, this is our first movie that has a Jew in it. We found that we found the Jew. (laughs) Now, for some of us, this wasn't a, a big deal um, because we are accepting of all religions at all times. But for Dr. Sarah F. Decker, this is a major thing because she's been sick and tired of having to watch us Christians on TV. <laughs> uh, she's she's wanted to identify with her own people. Um, Sarah, you said that this is based on a novel by Noah Gordon. Have you read any of Noah Gordon's books? I haven't. My mother read this book, apparently. And did she say it was good? Uh, she said it was okay. I think she likes Timeline better. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, this movie, I said, I think it might be a Netflix movie, but I could be wrong. Um, so it stars Tom Payne as Rob Cole stroke Jesse Ben Benjamin. Um, ben, if you're pronouncing it in the Jewishy kind of way, would it be Benjamin? Benjamin. Benjamin. Um, 
and uh, apparently he's in The Walking Dead. I, I've never seen The Walking Dead, so I don't know. Right. Um, and it's got Stellan Skarsgård or Stellar Skateboard as the barber. Who does not um, have a name. Yeah, he's just a barber. <laughs> like, even in the I, credits, he doesn't have a name. <laughs> oh, well, does he survive the movie? He does, but he's a man, oh. so. Oh, damn. Who so cares? Doesn't doesn't affect the F. Decker test. It doesn't. We have em, Emma Rigby, um, Eleanor's daughter, as uh, Rebecca. <laughs> Uh, and I've not seen her in anything, and I don't think Sarah has either. I, and yeah. then he's got little known actor um, Benjamin uh, Kingsley <clears throat> as Ibn Sina, who we're going to find out later on was a real person. He was. Only real person in the movie. And then we get to our first section. This is where we're going to break down what actually happened in the movie. Um, now, this is a very personal movie for Sarah, so she <clears throat> will be taking over and doing most of the talking. It's definitely not just because it's late here and I just recorded another podcast. It's because it's a deeply moving and touching movie to Sarah Decker. Or because I have Uh, a lot of thoughts and reasons that I rolled my eyes. Oh my God. (laughs) Does Dr. Decker ever have some thoughts on this movie? So we go to our first section, which is Enumeratio. And I think my voice broke for the first time <laughs> since since I was 12. Um, I look forward to the fact that we are never going to get a jingle for that. Uh, we're definitely going to get a jingle. It's going to be filled in at some stage. Sarah, how does this movie start? Because I imagine, I imagine if I was going to start a movie set in the Dark Ages, that I would want to slap the Dark Ages on it at the very beginning. So how yep. does this movie start? The opening crawl says that it is the Dark Ages, a term that I mm-hmm. hate because it implies that everyone in the Middle Ages was dumb and that nothing important happened. And that is indeed the point of this movie, at least when they are talking about medieval Europe, because it then goes on to say that Europe has zero doctors or hospitals or medicine, which, as we will get to later, is not entirely correct. Uh yeah, but it was the Dark Ages, Sarah. It wasn't that dark. <laughs> Though I will admit this is England specifically in the early 11th century, and England in the early 11th century is kind of a backwater. Yeah, of course it is. All the saints and scholars were over in Ireland. Yeah. And England was just left behind. So we start with uh, Rob Cole, and he's a little kid. Um, And his mother dies Pretty much quickly, or uh, she dies from some sort of disease, which is not telling. I don't think it's ever actually told us what it is. It's the side sickness. The side sickness, which I think we're going to find out later on, is appendicitis. Yeah, I thought they were saying sight sickness for the first like hour and a half of this movie, <laughs> and was really confused. She's like the sight sickness, and then Sarah's going. Well, no wonder they're dying. They keep poking her in the side. <laughs> like, seriously, they should check out her eyeballs. But, um, yeah, so his mom coughs. And as we know, that means she's going to die. But at this also, point, do you cough out, if you have appendicitis? Because I feel uh, like you I, don't. I had my appendix out when I was seven. And all I remember was I had a really bad pain in my side. Like, I had bad gas. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I was, like, embarrassed by it. So, um. Mm. I kind of held it in and, and suffered through the pain until my appendix burst. So oh, no. I'm, probably the worst per- I'm probably the worst person to ask about that. Um, I mean, I've never had appendicitis, yeah. but I had something that 
turned out to be an infection, but that they briefly thought was appendicitis. And Mm -hmm. I was not coughing, nor did they seem to expect I should be coughing. Well, I assume that um, the reason his mom coughs is because we need to know that she's about to die. Right. And that's how you know on a TV and movies. So his mom, turns out she has a side sickness, uh, but we find out that Rob has magic. He's an evil sorcerer. Yeah, because he's able to sense when somebody's going to die and can kind of zoom in on her heart and knows that there's bad stuff about to happen. And he knows that his man's about to die, so he runs down to talk to Stellan Skateboard or <coughs> Stellan Skarsgård. Um, and this is a man named Barbara, and he is basically saying that he can cure sickness. Um, and what he is, is he's a medieval kind of traveling surgeon. And he's doing like simple medicine to people. And they think he's some sort of magic-y person. But yeah. he's not. That's another thing that I'm very grumpy about at this point. Is that you have the uh, the priests come to pray over his dying mother. And they shoo him away because his he's practicing black magic by bloodletting. That's not a thing. Yeah. The priests are basically fine with doctors. Especially male doctors. They're grumpier about like women that use herbs. Yeah, because there are some sort of wickers. And also because um, of sexism. No, it's always about sexism. So. It almost always is. <sighs> so Rob Cole uh, decides that after his mom dies, that the only thing he can do is run off with the barber because nobody else wants to have him in town. Like I, he, as for, If I remember correctly, he, gets, he, he goes back to what would be the rest of his family and because of the black magic association they kind of reject him something like that i think also maybe just they i think he has siblings and maybe they take in the siblings but they're like yeah we can only afford one of you or something yeah so they take his two little sister his little sister and little brother yeah and then they say but we're not taking the bigger one and then the church is just like there's all these priests sitting right there it's like come on you guys are rich you could take this kid but yeah, exactly. maybe it's for the best for him that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in some shade. A little shade. Um, <laughs> so the two of them travel around to different towns and effectively steal money from people by doing small bits of medicine for them. But we get the impression that Stellan Skarsgård is quite a nice guy, even though he is a bit angry. He's sort of um, gruff, but has a heart of gold. Um, at first, he's like, no, I don't want this jerk kid. You have to leave. And then the kid kind of cuddles up to him. And he's like, Ugh, fine. Um, and he's doing some really dodgy uh, medicine techniques, like putting leeches on the people and bloodletting and stuff like this. And um, uh, he breaks a dude's nose. Um, <laughs> yeah, funny. and then makes him pay uh, to have it fixed, which is kind of hysterical. That is pretty funny. Uh, he lets um, he cuts off a guy's toe, and Rob has to do it. So, like, it's first bit of surgery, um, and it's a nasty looking ingrown toenail kind of thing that really does look like it would be infection would lead to somebody yeah. dying from it. Like they cut it off, and uh, that's also a good scene. Um, and then there's a couple of scenes with them hanging out with prostitutes. There are a lot of prostitutes. Yeah. And then I think this is the second time we get Rob knowing that somebody's going to die. Oh, one of the prostitutes? He his, yeah, he when when he's touching her, he touches her chest. And he kind of has like a flashback and he tells 
Stellan skateboard or Ste- I keep saying that because of Billy Flopheyes. Stellan Skarsgård, um, that you know, I think she's going to pass away, and then she does. Right. So yeah. So uh, yeah. At this point, also, uh, Sarah's written down in the notes here that Rob, uh, our main guy, has the least medieval-looking haircut, and it's yeah, it's pretty hipster. He looks like a Brooklyn hipster, and I had a lot of experiences in my day with Brooklyn hipsters. Um and. We also find that the barber is starting to go blind because he's got a cataract. Yep, which of course he can't fix it because he doesn't know any real medicine. But yeah, he's just doing bloodletting and stuff. Yep, but there are some Jewish doctors in town. We will discuss later why there should not be Jewish doctors in this town. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Sarah. Jewish people can go everywhere. I mean, they can, but that doesn't mean they did, that they did. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. You mean in. <laughs> In the time uh, I mean, you know, historical accuracy wise, mm. there would not have been Jews running around in England in the early 11th century. <laughs> so it's the first time uh, that yeah. we have a Jew and he shouldn't even be there. <laughs> well, we go over, we find this Jewish person and he has been trained by the best of the best doctors. Now, he's not a full doctor himself, but he has been trained a little bit or he's got some secondhand training. And he comes in and for a very princely sum, is it 30 pieces of gold or something like this? Oh, God, it it's, can't be 30. That would be it's a, prob. What is the sum? Lot. Because I really hope it's not 30 because 30 pieces of silver is the amount silver, that. Yeah. Uh... Oh, I know. I know what that amount is, Sarah Decker. You don't have to tell me. Yes, for our, for our religion, is. our uh, listeners less familiar with uh, Catholic mythology. Um. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, mythology is not what. With, less familiar with historical proven facts. Less familiar with the gospel account. Uh, 30 pieces of silver is the amount Judas is paid to betray Jesus. So I really hope they did not go for specifically the number 30 here, because that would be um, a weird choice. Yeah, I, de- I definitely do think it was 30. But, uh, oh, dear. Maybe maybe I'm just assuming that's that's how much it is. You just associate um, that number with the Jews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that, that's <clears throat> fine. Um, God, so sectarian. But anyway, so the uh, the Jewish guy um, cuts uh, out the cataract like he's cutting off the top of a child's penis, and <laughs> sorry. And then Rob goes to hang out with them and we get them doing a blessing over bread. Um, apparently, uh, Sarah, do they use the correct Hebrew blessing? They do. They say uh, the, it's the correct blessing over bread, the uh, hamotzi. That's, ah. that's, still, that's still a thing that I do when I visit my parents and say blessings on Fridays. Oh, so... That's really good. Uh, in Catholicism, we we bless um, we bless the food that we're about to eat as well, mm. and thank God for it because it's called saying grace. It's just a matter of respect for. Um, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we, we also do by... we also do that. We just do it in Hebrew. Sure. <laughs> uh, so. Rob, he's inspired, and he asks, "Where can he learn to be a doctor like they are?" Because, like, he he knows that he's got these like super special magic powers, and he gets told that you'd have to go and study in a madrasa with the most famous of all the Muslim rulers, Ibn Sina. But there's a big problem. And the big problem is that they will not allow Christians in there. 
Yeah, we will discuss that. <laughs> oh, Sarah seems like she might have some thoughts on it. I have some um, thoughts. Uh, I did also want to add in that there is a great scene before he actually goes to the doctor where Stellan Skarsgård is basically just talking about the Jews with some prostitutes. Yeah. Um, at which point, at some point, he goes, Jesus Christ was no bloody Jew. Which is funny because he was, as I told my students recently. What I think is funny, because you told me about telling your students, is that anybody can get to the college level and not understand that Jesus was a Jew. A lot of them did not know that Jesus was a Jew. And then also, maybe I shouldn't say this because I might in the future have students listening to this podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. I had one student who then, when I mentioned that John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin, asked how John the Baptist, uh, well, asked how Jesus could have this Christian cousin, John the Baptist, if he was Jewish. Uh-huh. <laughs> not realizing, I guess, that before Jesus, you could not be Christian. <laughs> well, you might not have been Christian in name, but you could be Christian in spirit. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I can't keep uh, <clears throat> so, uh, was madrasa the right word for a place to learn stuff in, in ancient Muslim areas? Yes, that is a general term that refers to a uh, an educational institution in Arabic. Um, awesome. And they also use an accurate term for doctor. They use the term hakim, which uh, can refer to a doctor or a specialist in medicine, but also refers somewhat more broadly to people who have a kind of broader range of intellectual areas of expertise. But it's a perfectly legitimate term. And I think it's mildly hilarious that the word hakim is actually spelled hakim. Um, so that's what that you'd a... be doing as a physician. <laughs> you're gonna, you'd be hacking them. Hack him up. <laughs> Hack him up. Um, As Rob, Rob does, all... even before he goes to his madrasa. He does. With his bone saw. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes too. But he complains about how he only he, he wants to cure like appendicitis and not weird stuff. And the barber goes, I'm not sad that you're leaving, but he's a little bit sad that Rob is leaving. So we're going to say And maybe they'll get back together and be friends at the end. Or maybe the movie will not bother to have them hug at the end. Maybe the movie will decide that despite being two and a half hours, it needs to have an extremely abrupt ending and not include that scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no reason why they couldn't, but uh, apparently that's what they're going to do. So he's going to travel to Isfahan, which is where um, Ibn Sina is, and he's going to try and pass a Jewish. So there's a bunch of problems with this, um, but he seems to think that the main problem is that number one, he's got the wrong haircut, and uh, number two, he's dressed wrong, and number three, he's got his foreskin on his penis. Yes. So these are the the only three things which could ever f- have him be found out that he is not uh, a Jewish. I mean, his lack of being able to speak the language would probably be one. Right. He doesn't know any Hebrew. He doesn't know any basic prayers. I mean, so the the blessing before the Hamotzi, that would be something that even in the Middle Ages and as well as today, like any child with a moderate Jewish education would learn that blessing. And he doesn't know even that super basic stuff. Hmm. So maybe he's just trying to be one of those like modern Jews. He's all like, nah, I don't, I don't go for the old world stuff. As we will see, just, he is very much a man ahead of his time. He is very much. <laughs> ahead of um, so he doesn't know any of this stuff, but he still somehow manages to blag his way into uh, getting on a, getting into a caravan on the way after getting off the boat. 
Yep. Uh, also, we should make sure to mention we do, in fact, get to see him circumcise himself. I just want everyone to be aware that that is a scene that is in this movie. It is a scene. <laughs> it's a scene where he gets a little bit drunk, possibly a little bit high, and then takes something really sharp and cuts off his foreskin. Man, there's a... You know, I think there's a reason they sort of usually do that in Jewish tradition when you're only eight days old. I don't, I don't even want to. Oh, God. <laughs> I have attended a circumcision. It's been a while. Wait, sorry. Did you say attended or attempted? Attended. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I have scared. attended the Jewish religious ceremony of a brit milah or a circumcision. And was it everything you thought it was going to be? I mean, you can't really see much. I mean, I didn't have like a front row view. Hmm. And that's pretty small. You know, if it was a Christian baby, you wouldn't have needed a front row view. <laughs> 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 oh anyway, so he's on route his fan and he meets a lady named Rebecca. Now, Sarah's written down she's a sexy Jewish lady. But I would never describe her as that. I would just say a sexy lady because there's no need to say that she's Jewish. So she translates <laughs> from Al Andalus and she reads to him from A Thousand of One Nights. Yes. And they're in a dust storm and he believes that she is killed. And he is wandering in the desert a little bit. Yes. Now, this, this is a man who has a reason to hate sand. He does have a reason to hit that um, <laughs> because it's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. Exactly. It oh, God. And it, um, <laughs> and it, it killed his girlfriend. Yeah, that is true. He <laughs> does actually think it's killed his girlfriend. Um, and also, just again, for the record, I must reiterate that Sarah F. Decker has publicly said that she likes the uh, Star Wars prequels. Anyway, moving on. I know I said so I liked the Star Wars prequels better than The Hobbit because at least the memes are good. That's not how I remember that conversation mm -hmm. going at all. I believe I said, oh, man, they were so bad. And you were like, no, they were really good, Ollie. And I went, you sure? And you were like, yeah, they were so good, really good. They're almost as good as Justice League. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I think what I said is that they're hysterical, which ah. is not necessarily a plus. That is true, actually, yeah. Um, so he gets to the madrasa, and he's mocked by a gatekeeper, and... Because he's a penniless Jew and he's got no letter of recommendation, he uh, he kind of gets left to starve on the street. Yeah, but then, you know, he's kind of beaten up, he's in bad shape, and so somebody then brings him to a doctor, and surprise, the doctor is the famous Ibn Sina, played by Ben Kingsley, who... But he yeah. doesn't know no. that it's yes, that's Ibn right. Sina. So Ibn Sina asks him a question or two. And he's like all super enthusiastic. He's like, I walked through the desert to, to train with the great Ibn Sina. And Ben Kingsley's like, ah, you know, he's, he's not that great. And um, yeah, uh, Rob is like, no, he's amazing. Then Ben Kingsley asks him some medicine questions that he's slightly able to answer. Like better than you would think. Better than you would think, especially for somebody who has actually never been medically trained. But even seen as like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this dude in. Yeah. So um, they start to, to, he brings him in. He starts to learn how to be um, a good Jew. And he learns how to uh, to be a good 
healer. Yes. Um, and he makes friends with some local Jews, and then and he finds one he, dissolute uh, Muslim to be friends with. Yeah, and he's <laughs> learning. Yeah, one dissolute Muslim, a couple of uh, a couple of the local Jews, and he seems to be even seen as favorite. Yeah, he seems um, to really like him. Also, yeah. I do just want to make a note at this point as obnoxious language police. I don't find it believable that they have a single common language. Yeah, it is <laughs> random that this is what's going on. I mean, because they would have been speaking um, Arabic or Persian. In an intellectual <laughs> context, probably Arabic, I would say, with Persian being maybe the vernacular. Yeah, true. Um, so uh, even Cena also at one stage takes him to meet the Shah, who is... Uh, played in a really overtly sexual way. Yeah, this Shah um, definitely wants to sleep with him. Which, oh, you know, definitely. good for them. Yeah, like, that's perfectly yeah. fine. I mean, he's a dude who's into sort of weird stuff. I mean, I we've all seen 300. Right. We know that the the Persian rulers are all weirdos. Um, <laughs> I talked but, with my yeah. students the other week about that being the origins of Orientalism and how the one thing the movie 300 gets right is that that's totally how the Greeks saw the Persians. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, yeah, Persians aren't creepy like that there. But anyway. uh, and he finally finds out that Rebecca is still alive and he discovers this at her wedding. She's getting yeah. married to a really old Persian dude. Yep. And let's just say, like, we all know where this is going. Yep. He gun dude gonna smash. Yep. And then it's gonna be a problem because of how she's married now. Mm-hmm. Now, we then get to a group called the Seljuks. Now, I have to admit, I had never heard of these people. Oh. They're, um, they're Turks. It's the, oh, why didn't it just say the Turks? Because there are different Turks. The Seljuks are a specific uh, Turkish group that at this period in the um, 11th century ended up taking over a bunch of uh, what had been the Abbasid Caliphate. Hmm. So what happens is the Shah uh, refuses to sign a treaty with them, even though I think he said that he was going to sign it. I think he said he but was, then, but then he was like, no, this isn't a great idea. Yeah, and he cuts off the head of the Seljuk um, ambassador, who I think is implied is the son of the Seljuk leader. Yes. And so maybe not the best they, call. Yeah, exactly. And um, this kind of really pisses them off. So they're like, well, we can't go and just attack the Shah because they're all like, there's a billion of them and they're all really good at war and stuff and there's only a few of us. So they decided to send a man who's infected with the Black Death into the city. And this is going to start killing the people. Yes. And they yeah, invented so biological warfare, apparently. Biological warfare. And within hours, the city is full of sick people. Yes. And here is where we learn that Rob is truly a man before his time. When he figures out everything about how hygiene works, stuff that you probably know more about the science than I do, but I'm pretty sure we didn't figure out until like the 18th and 19th century, honestly. A hundred percent definitely <laughs> did not. Um, and also figures out that the plague is being spread by rat fleas, something else that I think it took until, I don't know, but a very long time for them to figure There's... out. It was after the 1600s, it was after the Black yeah, Death. Yeah, it was because there are still Black Death outbreaks through the 16 and 1700s, I think. 
definitely up until at least the, at least the early 1700s yeah. the black death outbreaks and even smaller outbreaks in the 1800s but by that time we did come up with aseptic technique and we knew to quarantine people and stuff right so it would have been great if he'd written down all the stuff that he figured out in a book that somebody could have read during the black plague outbreak in 1348 but i guess he yeah. didn't bother he was more interested in going about his business of banging Rebecca and uh, <laughs> and curing side sickness. Yep. That's all he hmm. really wants. Cure the side so, sickness. Is this something that would had ever actually happened? Had anybody decided I'm going to send some some plague victims into cities? Yeah, that actually did happen in the 14th century. The Mongols are uh, laying siege to the city of Kaffa against the Genoese and they do actually come up with that idea and basically instead of sending somebody who's infected with the Black Plague and still alive they catapult corpses of people who died of the Black Death over the walls mm. so the uh, this is something that is medieval just a little bit later the French did that during the Hundred Years War mm. as well but they didn't they didn't fire um, they didn't fire plague victims they fired british soldiers or english soldiers back over the wall so anyone that they'd collected from the um from the battlefield they fired back over the wall at night to try and demoralize the brits mm. which Clever. i imagine is something that might demoralize you if you know your brother died during the day and then suddenly he's smashed against the wall at night time yeah that that would be kind of a bummer yeah oh yeah of course it would be a bummer yeah. <laughs> um so a couple of things uh, we've also written down here is that the Shah has an awesome falcon, which he does. He does. He and Eleanor of Aquitaine should be friends with their cool falcons. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, yeah. Although Eleanor Aquitaine is way cooler than the Shah. I kind of um, like the Shah. Yeah, for some reason, in my head, he's like Oliver Martinez. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you're a cool dude, Oliver Martinez. Just yeah. that's, He's got that look about him. <laughs> so Rob is able to uh, invent triage. Because of his magic. Because of his magic. <laughs> and he can walk along and decide who's going to survive and who's going to not because he has the power to put his hand on somebody and figure out if they're going to die or not. Um, and even Cena is kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Like, what? Wait, why are you doing this, you weird bulls? Don't touch the dead or the sick. Um, Rebecca gets the plague, um, but she recovers because of Rob. Um, and then because she's recovered, the first thing you should definitely do is... Bang. Yep. The second somebody recovers from the Black Plague, that's what you should do. Yeah. Also, um, while he's busy banging Rebecca, his dissolute Muslim friend dies. Yeah, because he was like, he even though he was dissolute Muslim and he was bad at being a doctor, he actually went out and dealt with the sick. Yeah, he was actually doing his job. Show, as opposed yeah, to Rob, who was just nice like... Guy. Rob is just like, well, I'm just going to focus on my girlfriend and like screw all the rest of these people. Exactly. Um, one thing about this is Rebecca's husband uh, ran off and left her to die. Yeah. Um, Dick move. He, he bribes. Yeah. He bribes the one of the guards to let him out of the city um, before the sickness really stuck. I feel like this is also definitely something that they inserted at this point to make us feel better about the fact that she's cheating on her husband. Yeah, I mean, you exactly. know, obviously, like, it's an arranged marriage. It's not like they're, you know, deeply in love with one another or anything. But I feel like it does just, like, make it seem slightly better by just, like, that making she's... sure that everyone knows he's a dick. 
Yeah, but I mean, like in fairness, it's just like Tristan is all they had known each other for like two minutes beforehand. Right. Which means that like Rob had dibs. <laughs> right, exactly. That's uh that's what we learned from Tristan and Isol, that if you met like half an hour before the woman gets married, then that means that it's really completely excusable. Yeah, we meet the Shah again and um he definitely wants to uh to get a bit of Rob, but Rob turns him down. And then we move on, the sickness has been basically cured and Rob says he wants to try and, and fix more stuff. He's he's basically become even seen as right hand man at this sign and um he gets given his own side sickness dude. So somebody who's got appendicitis just like his man. And this guy dies, but he tells Rob, he's like, I don't care what happens, my buddy. Do whatever you Please want. Do what it is you want to me. And um this, so they basically Rob goes, eh, I think this means I get to do an autopsy on you, um, which I believe at the time was completely and utterly banned because of the need for the entire body to go into the grave so that you could be reincarnated. Yeah, Judaism, Christianity and Islam are all very not on board with dissection of corpses. Mm. That's that's not a thing you get to do. Exactly. Um, we get some... Muslim religious people are like, no, they're doing like black magic up there with their medicine. Uh, God or Allah or whoever they happen to be worshipping at the time. Um, he wants these people to die. That's why they got sick in the first place. They actually uh, would potentially, there would be people who would be complaining, but they would be more likely to be complaining about their being really into Aristotle than about the whole medicine thing. Yeah. So. So. We get that uh, Rebecca is a pregnant. Yeah. And so because she's pregnant, she realizes that she has to sleep with her gross old husband, who she's been basically fobbing off by claiming that she has her period. And yeah. so now she has to actually sleep with him so she can pass the baby off as his. Yeah. And then this gets to like one of my least favorite <laughs> uh, scenes in the movie is... Um, Rob is slowly cutting up a dead dude <laughs> that he's been keeping in the basement of the hospital for a while. I mean, like, it, this thing has got the smell. It's yeah, it seems like he's doing it over the course Rob. of, like, a week. It's definitely taken some time. Rebecca is turning down her husband, saying that she's got, um, shall we say, her lady time has, has come on Aunt her. Flo has come and, to visit. Um, I wasn't going to say that. But, uh, it, it's, it's, it's her time. And uh, and he's all like, damn, this thing is like uh, lasting a long time, my friend. Um, but then she's like, oh, I'd better let him bang me because if I don't, he's going to find out that the baby's not his and he'll probably kill me and it. Right. Um, so then we get all this amazing so flashback and forth between Rob dissecting a corpse and Rebecca having unpleasant sex with her husband. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, so he gets caught like he's not really doing much to hide the fact he's got a dead body down in the cellar but he gets caught doing it and he gets carted off as some sort of heretic because it's uh, as far as I'm sure at the time it is actually illegal to carry out autopsies yeah you're not allowed so, to do that and he's been drawing like really detailed drawings of the inside and Let's be honest, the inside of the human body does look sick. It looks like something you would use in a satanic ritual. Mm -hmm. So 
like if you've got drawings of this at a time when you're not supposed to have drawings of this it's going to look pretty bad and um, yeah and i so think they actually also the find the like disembodied like chopped up disemboweled chopped up corpse right yeah oh yeah they, they find him with it like <laughs> yeah he, like in the act he is, yeah he's coming out and they're standing around waiting for him and they're like haha i caught you right um and it's one of the guys who used to be working in the uh, madrasa who is now the head of the evil ones because i think he was jealous of rob getting moved above him Right, so then he decides that, so he's, he's going like, to join the weird religious reformers. He, he joins the weird religious reformers, which, you know, jealousy as well almost causes this. Speaking of jealousy, as Rob's getting carted away, Rebecca, because, you know, people back in the medieval times didn't know or understand how not to be completely and utterly ridiculously in public about this stuff. Nope. She starts chasing after Rob, and that's when her husband's like, hold on a second. She seems greatly interested in this guy we barely know. And we find out that that's pretty much what's going to happen. So, yeah, Rob she's giving, and, uh, she's giving yeah. Isolde a run for her money and lack of subtlety here. It's pretty, pretty bad. Um, so Rob and even Cena uh, are both convicted of, uh, are convicted of what they've been doing, even though even Cena was not involved at all. Um, Rob stands up and says, it was me. He says that I'm actually a Christian. Which is very nice and of him because his concern is that there are going to be reprisals against the whole Jewish community and he wants to help them out. Yeah. Um, he stands up and he's like, I'm going to uh, prove... Oh, no, he stands up and says, I'm not even a Jew at all. So the prosecutor says, well, drop your old trues there, my friend. So he, he takes off his trousers and, of course, he's got a homemade circumcision done. Yep. So they're like... And then your man just goes, looks like a Jew to me. <laughs> Or a Muslim, and, also, for that matter, just saying. Because Muslims are also but, circumcised. But he was, he's been hanging out with Yeah, no, and he obviously has been claiming he's Jewish. Yeah, so he's like, looks like a Jew to me. Um, and he's like, like really weird. Uh, and it's the same guy from the beginning who had let him into the madrasa, but he's like just a bad guy now. Um even Cena was super excited about the dissection. He's like, yeah, tell me all about it. I want to see these um, cool drawings, which I guess they let them keep, these... I feel like, for they, some reason. They must have. Yeah, here, you can keep these while you sit in your cell, ready to be beheaded the next day. But at the last minute, just as they're about to be killed, the Shah shows up, or somebody from the Shah shows up and goes, nah, you're not going to kill these dudes. He also, last minute, rescues Rebecca, who is about to be executed for adultery. She's about to be stoned to death. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, the Jewish community at this point was self-governing and would indeed have had the right to execute women for adultery. Yeah, they're, they have her uh, buried up to the neck, don't they? And they're about to stone her? Yeah. And is that what they would have done back in the time? I actually forgot to look that up. That is definitely what you would do according to, I think, the Bible and the Talmud. I didn't actually look up whether that's still exactly what they're doing in the 11th century. But it is a correct method of executing an adulterous woman in accordance with Jewish law. Yeah. So, so, it's so just, not bad. It's Yeah, so they did a good job. So it turns out he has the side sickness and looks very, very bad. Um. So... He, the Seljuks are about to invade and there's going to be a big fight um, and they've been making friends. They are working with the religious reformers so they've been sowing these seeds of sedition inside the uh, the Muslim city. So 
uh, Rob comes down and he's like, I can try and cure you of this because I've been doing stuff and I discovered um, during my fiddling around with the insides of a dead dude that the appendix doesn't really do anything. So <laughs> the Shah is like, go for it, my friend. And he does. And he ends up saving the Shah. Um, and then this we get a cool Team view Sarah's of video. inside the Shah. Yeah, that was pretty cool of him <laughs> coming in and cutting from the outside in to cut him out. But also, uh, you've written down here tonight. You are the Shah. <laughs> I I don't remember this. Yes, this after or before? Before the... it's well, it's before. It's his point is basically, you know, you're in charge during this whole operation thing. He goes tonight. You are the Shah. But I feel that's like there's so a hint weird. at kinky roleplay happening there. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's that's that's a little bit too much. I think. <laughs> um, uh, the reformers come in and beat up all the Jews, um, and they just get beaten up because they're not good at fighting. Yeah, they're trying to fight back. They dies. have this like so shit barricade that they really should have like watched Les Mis and figured out how to build a better barricade. Um, Les Mis. Wasn't around at the time. So. I, I know. I, that was a, that was a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Jews' ability to fight back was a joke. Well, but it's also I feel like this is like a weird Purim reference because the Jewish holiday of Purim is like it takes place in a previous Persian Empire, and they ultimately end up basically like fighting back and killing a bunch of people who are set on them, like to kill them. But they actually do a good job. But these people suck at it. <laughs> so um it's also weird how many people have appendicitis since we've been here but so many people have appendicitis <laughs> rob rob cures the shah and the shah um <laughs> the shah gets up and then says thank you for curing me and now allowing me a good and honest death like wait what <laughs> Yep, it turns out he just wanted to be cured so that he could then be not technically dead yet and be strapped to a horse so he could ride into battle against the Seljuks. It's just one... It's just... It's just so bad. It's like... Yeah. Hey, like, he's just had me. major like, surgery and he's, like, riding into battle. His skin is gray. He's strapped to his horse. His falcon looks cool still. It's, the falcon also is always gonna look badass. It's, he's a he's a cool badass falcon, like. But he's trapped his horse. You're like, yeah, he's gonna die here. And he they go riding towards the Seljuks, uh, which I've as I believe Sarah told me they lost this battle. Yeah, the Seljuks definitely won. It's just that this movie is presenting this as this real like clash of civilizations, and the Seljuks are terrible and are gonna ruin everything. No, the Seljuks mm -hmm. are basically just adopted Persian culture and everything was cool and didn't really change that much. But one of the things that happens when the Seljuks take the city with the religious traumas is the madras is destroyed and they burn it down. And even Cena is just kind of sitting in this very poignant scene in his library and he's like, my life's work destroyed. Um, and he uh, he takes some hemlocks, to allow, or so takes some hemlock to allow himself to uh, drift off into some death in the burning library. But before he does that, he says to Rob, you are the Hakim now. And he gives him some of the the books that were there. So Rob gets to uh, go off with the title of healer and some books to bring back to England. Yes. So then we move forward. Rob and Rebecca 
go back to England. So Rebecca, you know, now a widow, which is the dream in the Middle Ages. Uh, so they go back to England. Um, and we basically just, we don't actually see them in England, but we hear them talked about. There's a really gross child who describes Rebecca as delicious. So I'm glad to know oh, that men are becoming God. terrible by the age of like 10. <laughs> I forgot about this. So the barber is there and nobody's coming to his show. And he meets a little kid and he's like, why is nobody coming to me? And the kid goes, oh, they've all got the Hakim, the doctor. Yeah, there's a real doctor now. And the man says, oh, there's a Hakim. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's English. He's British. He's European. But he's he's curing everything, including the sight sickness. And um, and Barbara asks him to describe him. He obviously describes Rob. And then Rob's wife is helping. And then he asks him what the wife is like. And the little kid's like, oh, she's delicious. It's like, dude, you're like 10. What the hell? It's so... <laughs> So bad. That is, abruptly, the end of the movie when the barber hears that Rob is alive and back. But in this two and a half hour movie, we could not possibly have added an extra literally two minutes of seeing a scene of the two of them reuniting. Also, I just looked this up. Um, remember I said earlier the Shah looks a little bit like Oliver Martin is? Is that who it is? It's because it is Oliver Martin. <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, me figuring out, you know, that guy's the poor man's Gendry. And then you put it oh, yeah. it's actually Gendry. The poor man's Gendry. It actually is Gendry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much how we end. That uh, Rob's back in England, but the barber, they don't have the barber just showing up and saying, hey, hey, uh, I've got this, like, dodgy toe, or more likely, I've got genital warts from all the prostitutes I've been banging. Is there any chance you could heal me? And then Rob going... I'll heal you, my old friend. That would have been a much better yeah. end to this movie. Well, when we say a better end, it would have been an end. Yeah, as opposed to some child saying uh, there's this Jewish-English dude with a delicious wife and then Stellan Skarsgård laughing and then the movie ends. She's delicious. <laughs> oh, it's so weird. But what we're going to do now is talk about what the movie got right and what the movie got wrong. Um, this is a section we like to call There it falls I'm trying to do them slightly different every week um, and also I'm not a very good singer so if this happens to be your first episode it's not getting better and it has definitely been worse um, so Sarah, I think that was great can you tell us oh, well you always say that because you want me to keep doing it but uh, yep. that's only so you can laugh at me so Oh, no, One no, thing no. I did notice with this, I want to find out what did the movie get wrong? Let's start with the falsos this week. So this movie is bizarre in that, as we'll get to, it got some little details right, but the entire premise of the movie is so deeply inaccurate in basically three different major ways. So... The first issue is that it very much begins with this Europe has no medicine and no doctors at all. It is true that the medical knowledge in Europe did increase in the late 11th century when they basically get access to Greek medical texts that have been translated into Arabic and then translate them back into and then translate them into Latin. 
But they do have mm-hmm. medical schools and doctors in this period. And in fact, there's a very famous medical school in Salerno in Italy that dates back to the 9th century. And already by the 10th century, clearly was extremely famous and well-known to such an extent that a French bishop actually went there to get cured of some illness or other. Was it the side sickness? You know, I couldn't actually, I, w- I could have dug a little bit more, but I didn't actually find what illness it was specifically. So I'm not sure. Mm. So I don't know if they could cure the side sickness. Syphilis. Yeah. The other thing I will say is that while there's definitely some solid material in the Greek uh, medical authors, there's also a lot of stuff there that's kind of shit. I mean, that's where you get all these stuff about the four humors, the idea that the human body is made up of basically uh, the four humors of blood, phlegm, black bile, and yellow bile, and that the way to achieve health is to have a balance amongst these humors. That's mm-hmm. not how the human body works. Wait, and wait, what? I mean, you're, you're the scientist, so maybe you tell me, but uh, my impression was that that's not how the human body works, though I do think it would make for a great fad diet cookbook. It turns out that it's actually a combination of the four humors and the five elements. Ooh. And if you get the right combination of the five elements and the four humors, you will live forever. That's awesome. Wow. Also, you can turn lead into gold. I'm glad they figured that out in ancient Greece. And time travel is possible. Yep. Lead into gold, that that seems legit. I'm pretty sure they figured that one out. That we do it all the time. Yep. We just don't tell any of the rest of the world about it. The scientists are all billionaires. Yeah. Um, so the school in Salerno was, so in a, this has been around since the ninth century. Yeah. And so already it's been around for close to 200, 150 years by the time this movie takes place. And they would they, so would the people in the Arabic world at the time have been maybe two levels ahead of the Europeans or would it have been, you know, equivalent knowledge? They would have been a bit ahead because, as I said, there were some legit things in these Greek medical texts. And those were things that at that point they didn't have access to in Western Europe. But they're yeah. not quite as ahead as they make it sound. Yeah, so they were a little bit ahead, but not the full way. Yeah. Hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier about uh, Jews shouldn't be in England. Um, now, are we talking about in general or in the early 10th, 11th century? In the early 11th century. And that is because the entire English Jewish community came in with the Norman conquest in 1066. They're all, they're all, uh-huh. northern, they're all northern French Jews. So before then, there are no Jews in England. Oh, so no registered Jews? Is there a chance that there were just like wandering Jews? It's definitely not technically impossible, but it seems vaguely unlikely. It's honestly just because I don't really get why they would go there. Because yeah. if you're an observant Jew, there are all sorts of issues that come up in terms of if you travel, you really want to have a Jewish community that you can go to because of things like you would want to have access to appropriately slaughtered meat. Yeah, I get you. And, and yeah. Because, and, yeah, so they they need to have their, their property sort of meat and they don't want to be eating pork products or anything like that because they're they're good Jews. Um, yeah. And what about somebody converting to become a Jew just by chopping off their foreskin? I mean, so that certainly wouldn't be a full-on conversion. You'd also have to uh, do a number of other things, including a kind of full immersion in water. But 
if you did convert to Judaism, or at least in the case of Rob, he certainly circumcised himself and is now living as a Jew, Hmm. you're going to get killed. That is an offense punishable by death. You do not get to convert out of Christianity in the Christian world. You you can't do that. Hmm. Yeah, okay, well, of course. Yeah, you still can't. Just just so you know, if there's any Christians out there listening, you can't be sneaking off and changing your stuff being a Christian. You're you're stuck. You're stuck with the God we've got. Is that blasphemy um, in Ireland? Could I go to jail for that still? If I tried to get a Jew, if I tried to get a Christian to uh, convert to Judaism, uh, oh, definitely. Uh, although, as we're we're saying this, for the vote is on Friday, um, to uh, shall we say remove blasphemy from the Irish <laughs> Constitution, which would be you know pretty pretty good thing to remove. Not that yeah. not that anyone's ever been convicted or anything, but like it would, yeah. it's just weird to still have it in there. <laughs> um, so what about the premise? Like, for example. We know that there was medicine in Europe at the time, because um, you've already told us this, and it had been around there for like 200 years or so. But, and we know that there was slightly better medicine in the Muslim world. But if you wanted to sneak in and pretend to be a part of that community, would pretending to be a Jew get you in? No, it makes no sense. So uh, there are both Jews and Christians living in the Muslim world, and both Jews and Christians could technically, you know, study with uh, important, you know, medical professionals and other well-educated Muslims, because the exact same set of policies applies to both Jews and Christians, um, that they belong to a category called uh, dimi, which is literally means protected peoples. And so mm. basically it's uh, Jews, Christians, and they also encompass uh, Zoroastrians into this, which is relevant to the Persian context. But basically, if you fall into that category, you can live under Muslim rule with certain restrictions. So you can't proselytize. Uh, you your religious buildings can't be taller than mosques. You have to basically there's kind of restrictions on how public your religion can be. You're not allowed to just kind of run around insulting Muhammad or Islam. But basically, you can live as a Christian or a Jew in the Muslim world. So the entire premise that he has to fake being a Jew in order to live in a Muslim country is completely inaccurate and makes no sense and mm -hmm. really bothers me actually for political reasons because I feel like there's a bit of a politicized effort to try to make the Islamic world look worse in the Middle Ages when in fact if you yeah. were a Jew you were actually probably much better off living in the Islamic world than in the Christian world. So, yeah, so the entire premise of this movie does not actually make any sense and is very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem pretty strange. And um, there would have been Jewish settlements or, sorry, Christian settlements in the Islamic world. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty much so everywhere in the Islamic world, there are Christian communities. Um some Christians even actually kind of liked it, especially if you were a Christian who is maybe a less than mainstream Christian. You were kind of better off living under a Muslim rule than under Christian rule because uh, the Christians would be more concerned about your perhaps mildly heretical beliefs. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. See, I, I would never have even considered this. I Maybe I've just been too long reading stuff about the Crusades and um, dreaming of being a crusader to... <laughs> understand oh that, the crusaders are jerks uh, 
<laughs> so did they get anything right or even half right in this movie? They did. So first I want to begin with the things that are kind of half right. So the character of Rebecca, I would say, is a kind of mixed bag. Um, my main complaint, honestly, is her name. I think I've talked about weird complaints about medieval names before. Um, weird fun fact, biblical names in this period are really only used for Jewish men. So Jewish men would be named, you know, Abraham or Isaac or Solomon or Jacob or whatever. Jewish women almost never have biblical names. Mm. Um, they have an assortment of names that uh, tend to be actually kind of Arabic sounding names in the Muslim context or, you know, kind of romance sounding names in various places in Europe. Um, so they have in some cases, there are some names that are kind of more Jewish, but they don't have like biblical Hebrew names in the same way as Jewish men do. So Rebecca was the wife of Isaac. Yes. In the Bible. Um, so she like so would have been a would it have been a popular enough name at any stage for Jewish women? I mean, in like the nineteenth century. Yeah, so <laughs> much later. And I mean, I guess it probably is a name that you know probably existed in the ancient world, but in the medieval yeah. period, it's not an especially popular name for Jewish women. That, as I said, they almost never give Jewish women biblical names. Interesting. So I wonder why they decided to go with Rebecca. I think they probably didn't know that that was a thing because I think you'd have to really be delving into social history to know that because it is a kind yeah. of natural assumption, I would say, to assume that Jews have that kind of Jewish sounding biblical name and that, you know, Rebecca's a really common Jewish name now. So I think that's basically what happened, that they were like, that's a Jewish sounding name. Nice. So what about um, the whole uh, Rebecca traveling quite a long distance to get married off to a random Persian Jewish dude. Now that part actually makes sense. She maybe should have had a little bit more supervision from a family member on this journey, but it does make sense that we do know that Jewish families in the Islamic world did arrange marriages over really long distances. Um, so basically in order to kind of create marriage alliances and um, which would be then beneficial to relationships for long distance trade. And we do have uh, letters from exactly this period that talk about marriages between Jews of Al-Andalus, which is Muslim Spain, and uh, Jews of the Eastern Islamic world. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, um, one thing that happens in the movie is she cheats on her husband, then the husband dies, and then she runs off and goes with uh, Rob. So would that have been allowed? So if you cheat on your husband and then you get divorced or widowed or whatever, can you then marry the dude you've been banging? You cannot. That is explicitly forbidden according to Jewish law. So obviously the whole thing is like a little under the table. I mean, they're obviously kind of sneaking off and not really telling a lot of people much about their past. But it does strike mm. me as weird that that doesn't come up in the movie. The thing, however, that they do get right in terms of Judaism and issues having to do with sex is that it brings up the fact that she is menstruating and that because of that reason, she and her husband cannot have sex. And in fact, it is. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, I don't think that's a Jewish thing. Well, but it's actually forbidden according to Jewish law. Um, and not only can you not have sex with your wife while she's having her period, you also have to wait a full seven days after she finishes 
At which point, what? yeah. So basically, you can't That's have sex forever. for like half the month. I know. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so she has to wait seven days of not seeing any blood. And then she has to go and uh, fully immerse in a ritual bath. And then she can have sex. Yeah, well, she should be having a bath every day anyway. But um, it's a ritual no. <laughs> bath. It's different. You have to like, you have to be like fully immersed. Like you have to make sure every single like hair on your head is underwater. There's a whole set of rules about it. So how um, how good did they get the uh, the circumcision knife? It is accurate. I know what circumcision knives look like. So <laughs> there are not a lot of medieval examples of circumcision knives, but there are a bunch of early modern examples of circumcision knives, and there are medieval paintings of circumcision knives. And the fact mm -hmm. that they look pretty much the same has led a lot of scholars to believe that, yeah, that's basically what circumcision knives look like in the medieval period, that it's a kind of continuous tradition of circumcision knives. And nice. they get it pretty much right. That's basically what, as far as we know, a medieval circumcision knife looked like. Can I give a little aside as to how I know what a circumcision knife looks yes, like? Yes, you can. In the video game Hitman from 2016... There is a level where you're in a very fancy hotel in, uh, da, 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 I think it's set in Paris. And as you're wandering through, there is a kind of like an exhibit going on. Mm -hmm. And one of the things in the exhibit is a circumcision knife, which you can steal and then use to kill somebody later on in the level. And yeah. it is... It is almost exactly like the knife that he uses to circumcise himself. In his oh, body. so they did a good um, job too. Yeah, it's got like weird bits cut out of the blade and stuff. Yeah, it looks kind of it's very kind of decorative nasty. looking because it's a ritual yeah. object. Well, that's how I know what it looks like. Yeah, and, um, the circumcision is yeah. like a big party. Uh, yeah, this you have bagels yeah, and lots. This is a huge party. Yeah, I, that, I bet you do. But um, <laughs> all I know is that. I threw it across the room to kill the target, so it was good times. <laughs> and as he becomes Jesse Ben Benjamin, uh, Rob <laughs> uses it to circumcise himself in this movie, a scene that we mm -hmm. get to see. Now, uh, Rebecca, when she wakes up from being sick, gets straight to banging him at the hotel, or not at the hotel, <laughs> at the madrasa. Is this something that Jewish people would do? I mean, I don't think they were supposed to. I'm just, yeah, <laughs> it just seems weird. I'll tell you who wouldn't do that. A good Christian. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Tristan and Isolde are, uh, are, aren't they supposed to be Christians? Isolde at least is supposed to be Christian. But they're bad Christians. Yeah, I mean, Rob's not even a real Jew. He's a Christian so, who's bad at being a Christian his... and a Jew. Well, he's not a Christian anymore. He just cut off the tip of his thingy anyway um <laughs> they uh they were reading a thousand one nights um obviously the the very famous uh stories is this something that actually would have happened very possibly so uh my one quibble with it would be that she's actually the one who has the book and is reading from it and i would say i wouldn't necessarily think that most Jewish women in this period would have been, you know, literate in Arabic, but 
Thousand and One Nights would have been available, however, in written form by the mid-11th century, which is the period that we're in. And also, I noticed that it was illustrated and looked a few things up. And this is a period where Islamic art in a religious context would not have had figural imagery. You wouldn't have had images of the human form. So, you know, and this is still today, still true today. You would not, you know, have an image of Muhammad. But mm-hmm. already by this period, especially in uh, both the Persian context and actually in Al-Andalus, there are examples of uh, the use of figural imagery in secular texts in the Islamic world. Um, no, that's yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, that's that's a big that's one of the kind of big differences between Jewish or sorry between Christian and Islamic art is that Christians have all sorts of images all over the place and Muslims are not up with that. And then Jews tend to kind of do whatever the people around them are doing. That's perfect. Um, hmm. There's something I wanted to ask there, Scott. Yeah, what about the terminology used? Um, a lot of it isn't bad. Uh, madrasa and takim are actually the correct term. They do a pretty good job on the Jewish blessings. Um, all in all, like somebody clearly spent a little time kind of looking up some Hebrew and Arabic stuff. So, you know, good on them. This is kind of a weird movie in that they get all of the really big things wrong, but a lot of the little things right. <laughs> um the other thing is that uh they actually you know they get some of the kind of historical period right this is the period where the seljuks would have been around um so some of the kind of trajectories are more or less accurate um although really weird nitpicky thing i did actually looked up and the dynasties currently ruling in isfahan would not have used the traditional persian title of shah they would have used the arabic title of emir Oh, so points off for that. Maybe. Yeah, so, so some points but, off. Yeah. But in but in it, terms of the terminology, I feel like they did a fairly good job. Yeah, that does actually feel like doesn't because there's been a lot of movies that we have covered that are way less accurate. Yeah, like it feels like somebody so, did moderate research. So good for them. All right, so let's move on to our next section. Because one of the things you said that they got right was that Ibn Sina is a real person. Yes, he is. So I think that this might be maybe maybe time for our Historia Adveritas, <laughs> which is about Ibn Sina. And Sarah, I believe you may have you may have had some research done on Ibn Sina before. Yeah, this is the first time for this podcast that I've actually been able to draw on my lecture notes uh, from earlier this semester. Because you're a doctor. And because, yeah, I am uh, I'm currently teaching a course which is on Muslim Spain and Portugal and uh, talked about Ibn Sina in the context of his influence on some uh, scholars based in Al-Andalus. Mm-hmm. So... Um, One of the things that we do know about this period is that, uh, as kind of hinted at before, the Islamic world is in fact a bit of a center of scientific learning and also philosophical learning. Uh, So thanks in part to that the Abbasid Caliphate at this point is very invested in the translation of philosophical and scientific works from Greek into Arabic starting in the 8th century. And one of the beneficiaries of this knowledge is Ibn Sina, who seems to have been a bit of a child prodigy. 
Um, he's described mm. as having memorized the entire Quran by age 10, which it's, it's pretty long. And yeah, how long are we talking? Um, I don't know if like a, in like a modern edition, it would probably be like 300 pages. It's nothing. Memorized like word for word. Yeah. I'm, I, I do that. <laughs> you, you just do that. Like just tomorrow. <laughs> it would take me more than a day, but like two days tops. Well, he managed it at age 10 and had become a licensed physician by age 18, which, you know, I'm I'm going to say that that's before I got my doctorate. Yeah, but this is back <laughs> in the day where you, like this is old school doctors. Like he, he just had to show up and not murder 10 people. <laughs> I mean, it's if you like, murdered people, like you can kind of get away with it still. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is also a period. The uh, the thing I will say that doesn't quite come up in this movie is that this is a period in which educated people are not quite as specialized as they do now. So now, you know, both of us have doctorates, and both of us are you know fairly specialized in our subjects. Um, nobody's yeah. making me teach science, thank God. Well, you can come in and teach science anytime you want. <laughs> I can go and throw my hand at teaching some good uh, Christian theology stuff. I'll, uh, I'll give you some tips. <laughs> <But yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I said that, and then I just had this image of me trying to actually teach that. It was like, no. I teach Christian theology. I know you as, do. As a Jew. You're a better, you're, you're a better Christian than I am. That's all <laughs> I can say. The, uh, the the perils of being a medieval historian, you realize as a pin that you're in a position where as a Jew, you have to explain Christianity to Christians. Um, <laughs> but so in this period, people, you know, don't tend to be that specialized. So the fact that you're a physician doesn't mean that you're only studying medicine. So Ibn Sina is very well known for being not only a physician, but also a kind of specialist in Islamic law. As I said, he kind of memorized the Quran and a philosopher. And one of the things that uh, is, you know, he's especially known for is that he was one of the, you know, readers of Aristotle, so who, of course, is a Greek philosopher, and one of the earlier people who explicitly made the argument that you can reconcile Aristotelian, uh, Aristotelian philosophy with the doctrines of the Quran, with the doctrines of Islam, um, which is a pretty big hmm. deal. It's uh, Aristotle is a bit of an issue and a kind of hot button topic for Jews, Christians, and Muslims in this period, because he argued in favor of the eternity of the world so that the world had always been there. Whereas all three of those faiths very much emphasize that God created the world at a specific moment in time, and that he created it out of nothing, that he you know brought matter forth out of nothingness. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so... Reconciling. Yeah, just those want two to say that did not happen. <laughs> so Aristotle was maybe more right in terms of real science than religion. <laughs> I mean that he said that you you can't create some you can't create something out of nothing. That at least that there always had to have been matter of some kind, and so that even exactly. if there was a creator, all the creator would have done was uh, was to shape matter into the form that it has. Yeah. Um, so that was considered a problem in certain circles uh, in uh, all three of uh, these religious groups. And, you know, because of that, uh, 
you know, that's a bit of a topic of debate. And that's actually what the religious reformers would have probably had a bit more of an issue with was uh, the fact that you have this guy who's talking about, you know, saying that it's okay to reconcile Aristotle with Islamic faith. Hmm. Um, and he did, in fact, spend the last years of his life in Isfahan, probably about the last 12 years of his life in service to the emirs, uh, the Kakuyid emirs is the particular group who were in charge. Um, and actually becomes somebody who's really influential and well-respected, not only in the Islamic world, but also in the Christian world, to such an extent that Dante, um, in fact, even goes so far as to place him in limbo, which is basically the nice part of hell, where you get to be if you're not Christian, but are basically a good person. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, he was kind of a cool dude. And uh, was he put up on the same level as the other guys? Was he up there with, like, Hippocrates? And, yeah, so um, uh, the the text uh, places him basically as part of this kind of circle directly around Aristotle, um, as well as mm -hmm. the great medieval scientists, or sorry, as well as the great Greek scientists. So he says, when I raised my eyes a little higher, I saw the master of those who know, referring to Aristotle, who by the 14th century is everyone's favorite philosopher. Sitting among his philosophic kindred, eyes trained on him, I'll show him honor. In front of the rest and nearest him, I saw Socrates and Plato. I saw Democritus, who ascribes the world to chance, Diogenes, Anaxagoras, and Thales, Empedocles, Heraclitus, and Zeno. I saw the skilled collector of all the qualities of things, I mean Dioscorides. And I saw Orpheus, Cicero, Linus, and Moral Seneca. Euclid, the geometer, and Ptolemy, Hippocrates, Avicenna, that being the Latinization of Ibn Sina, Galen, and Averroes, who wrote, who wrote the weighty glasses. Yeah. yeah. So he's put, uh, he's sort of listed directly in between the great physicians Hippocrates and Galen. I was just about to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, as part of this company of both uh, great Greek and Muslim scientists surrounding Aristotle. Um, and in fact, his... Uh, uh, textbook, basically, his uh, canon of medicine remains the standard medical textbook in both Europe and the Islamic world until the 18th century. Mm. So that's how long it took them to, like, get better medicine. <laughs> <laughs> but they did a good job. In fairness, like, that's, he seems like a super interesting dude. Yeah. Um, And to be as considered, especially for a person from that faith to be considered by Dante as the same level as all of the ancient Greeks that you mentioned. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So he's actually one of only two um, uh, people beyond the classical world who's mentioned in that context. So everyone who is mentioned in that list is either Greek or Roman with the exception mm -hmm. of Ibn Sina, Aben, uh, Avicenna and the last mm -hmm. name mentioned Averroes, uh, which is Averroes. yeah Ibn Rushid, who is a uh, known, especially as a commentator on Aristotle. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, I'd like to see a movie about him, actually. Yeah, that actually would be or, a good movie. Or for our listeners, are there any books written about Ibn Sina? Oh, God, are there? Um, I mean, there are certainly books that are, like, academic books. I don't really have any recommendations. No, sorry. No. Oh, sorry. Damn it. Maybe. <laughs> that's right. I'll cut that bit out. Mm -hmm. So, Sarah, now that we know that Ibn Sina was a real person, Let's talk about a better movie that could have been made for this in a section that we 
in our hubris, have called Fabula Nostra. <laughs> and, I mean, that just means um, our story, not necessarily a better story, though it might be. It's, de- <laughs> it's definitely a better story. Um, so I think I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Because I've just read yours, and I think if I went with mine first, uh, it would just be so good. It would blow yours out of the water and you feel bad about it. And also because mine is not good. <laughs> and I think we're better off starting with yours and then mine will I'll probably hopefully sound funnier <laughs> because it's meant to be funny. I'm sure yours is great. Uh, mine, in contrast, is the movie inspired by my dissertation, which is maybe either really good or really terrible. <laughs> Your dissertation, I imagine, was very good. So, I mean, the dissertation was, you know, good for a dissertation at least, but it might not make for a great movie. So, mm-hmm. for all everyone out there, my dissertation is a comparison of Jewish and Christian women's economic activities in 13th and 14th century Catalonia. Uh, expect the book version one of these days in the vaguely oh. distant future. Oh, so yes. that's, um, <laughs> that's very specific. That is the thing that people tell me. Uh, pro tip for all listeners out there, never tell a historian or really probably any academic that their area of research is specific. Specific. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you might as well be saying, that's not something I'm interested in. Like, it's ugh, Yeah, the best it. I could come up with it. I can't even lie and say I think it's interesting. <laughs> I just have to say that specific. Um, it drives me nuts. So my very specific dissertation involved me looking at archival sources from the uh, 13th and 14th centuries. And it is from those sources mm-hmm. that I have drawn at least the names of the central characters of my movie, which is still called The Physician, but which is really only taking the title and the fact that it has to do with Jews, and which is going to talk about a Jewish physician in the city of Barcelona in the wake of the Black Death. So the Black Death in Catalonia and a number of other places in Europe is, of course, an extremely traumatic event. Uh, We now think that perhaps as much as uh, about a half of the population was killed. And Hmm. one of the issues in particular for the Jewish community is that some people either blamed the Jews directly for the plague in terms of accusations of them having poisoned the wells or something because they hate Christians so much, or Hmm. they were... Basically, they said, oh, the reason that we have this plague is because we've been treating the Jews too nicely. (laughs) (laughs) So as a result, you then have massacres of Jewish communities in a number of places, one of them being in Barcelona. So my story is going to follow a Jewish physician named Fidel Cabrit, which is the actual name of a Jewish physician active in 1349, um, as he attempts to deal with uh, curing the Black Death and protecting his family from uh, these efforts to attack members of the Jewish community. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, other characters, his uh, his wife, who I'm naming Dulce, which is a really popular medieval Jewish women's name in this period. Um, another major character, and this is also a person who is a real person, is uh, Dura, widow of Banjueu de Belquer, uh, who is a Jewish woman moneylender who I am going to make Vidal's sister. And she has been widowed. Her husband has been, uh, was, uh, died during the Black Death. 
And there's going to be one kind of minor antagonist, which is going to be her much older stepson. So somebody who was uh, her son's, her husband's son from a previous marriage. And as is relatively often the case, they then, you know, their wives die and then they marry much younger women with whom they could have children, even though they already have adult children. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So one kind of minor antagonist is going to be her stepson. Uh, there's also going to be a Christian knight who I am naming Bernat Sableda, um, also the name of a person that I took from a document, um, who is in debt to a number of Jews in Barcelona, and therefore because of that is hostile to the Jewish community. And I'm mm. also going to consider as a, a kind of, in some ways, neutral or mediating figure, the king of uh, the kingdom of Aragon, which also included Catalonia at this time. Peta the Fourth, uh, or Peter the Fourth in English, um, who in fact we do know has a relatively friendly personal relationship with his Jewish physician, which in this movie is going to be our friend Vidal. Mm-hmm. This all sounds promising and yeah. good. So, I made some Who's, interesting casting who, choices. Who are, who are playing these these <laughs> actors that you've named? Or these uh, parts you've named. So for our Jewish position, I am going to have this movie starring sexy Oscar Isaac, of course. Sexy Oscar as Isaac, of course. Vidal yes. Cabrit. Uh, his wife, Dilsa, will be played by Natalie Portman. Wait. But they've been husband and wife before, Sarah. They have in Annihilation. And now they can be husband and wife yeah. again. But now they're Jewish, which but, both of them actually are. Uh, uh, but it can be a reverse of... The situation where she was the doctor. Oh, that's true. In Annihilation. So she can be in like, hey. And then he'll be <laughs> all like, oh, God. So she's not going to be an idiot, I will say. But, you know, she's probably in practice kind of less well-educated than he is. And, you know, certainly doesn't have the same kind of medical expertise because that's how the world worked. And I will be talking about that. Um, then I'm going to have Vidal's sister, um, uh, our women, our woman money lender is going to be played by Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, who I think if she, you know, goes back to the brunette look could, uh, could pass as Jewish. I think that could work. Her stepson, our kind of minor antagonist is going to be Dane DeHaan because I think Dane DeHaan seems like he's a dick <laughs> in everything <laughs> that he's in. <laughs> and our main antagonist, our Christian Knight is going to be played by John Hamm because I've come to the conclusion that John Hamm should almost always play a villain. Uh, not always. I mean, he's very handsome. He is very handsome, but I really like him best in either villain roles or comedic roles, personally. I don't know. I think he's, like, handsome, but he kind of seems like a jerk. Or at least he's really good at playing the villain, so I feel like he's worse. He's, like, wasted on just playing a nice guy. Um, <laughs> and finally, I have cast as our king, King Petta the Fourth. I have cast James McAvoy, and that is because I actually looked at a picture of Petta the Fourth, and I think it kind of works. Oh, cool! <laughs> that sounds that sounds really interesting, and I like the fact that it's based on real people as well. Yeah. So. It's like uh, how history could have been, like an alternate history kind of yeah, thing. So yeah, so I'm I'm making really up everything about their actual lives, pretty much. Um, but drawing on, you know, some actual real documents for the names and a couple of kind of basic facts about these people. And I think that would be fun if somebody ever wanted to give me a lot of money to turn my dissertation into a movie. 
<laughs> I can imagine a lot of people going, yeah, I'm going to give you, let's make a movie. Uh, but you're going to, if you get a book published as well, so it'll be a lot easier to get it turned into a movie. So, exactly. Yeah. Academic sure, books I would always definitely, get turned into movies. <laughs> I would definitely watch this movie. Oh, well, thank you. <clears throat> so what's your I movie? went with a slightly different tack when I was uh, coming up with a movie to position because after reading your notes um, and after thinking about the whole situation in general, I said to myself, I think The Physician should be the exact same movie, but a comedy. <laughs> so You're not going to play I the circumcision this... scene for laughs, are you? Oh, <laughs> oh, yes, I am, right? Now, what I was thinking was, right, the idea that somebody would be accused of witchcraft, run off with somebody who's calling himself a barber, because of the hatchet job he's doing on people <laughs> from medicine, and then bumping into random Jewish people and then deciding, do you know what? I'm going to pretend to be a Jewish dude and travel to the Middle East. And what I think would be really interesting is that nobody actually believes he's Jewish. So the idea <laughs> for me is that he's constantly trying to blend in with the Jewish community and none of them think he's a Jew. So he's like, look, none look at my dick. None of think he's a Jew. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, look, he keeps going like, look at my dick. And we, we can even, because it's going to be an over 18s comedy, we can show a close-up <laughs> of his dick. But it's like a really bad, clearly homemade <laughs> oh, circumcision. All right? So, but the idea is that... Took off a little too much. Because of what you said, exactly, cut off just a little bit too much. But what you were saying about how Muslims didn't actually care if you were Christian or Jewish, like they, they saw them as being on the same level. So it's not like you had to be a Jew. Just all the Muslims are accepting him because he's a Christian, not because he's pretending to be a Jew, but he thinks it's that I'm pretending <laughs> to be a Jew, which is what's getting him true. They're right? like, no, so it's just the, the same idea... laws. Exactly, right? So what I've got going on is that he's over there trying to learn to be a doctor and they're actually much further ahead than even we are. But he is so arrogant about how everything he is doing is right that he's actually not washing his hands when he gets told mm. to go wash his hands, not using the aseptic technique, and he's actually the cause of a lot of these people. Oh God. Dying, right? So yeah, but like it's but it but in a funny way. I do, yeah, no, I think this is definitely working as yeah. for me as a black comedy. So, there should be more medieval black there, comedies. There should be more medieval black comedies. So he's like, oh I'm trying to learn. But because he's an arrogant Westerner, mm -hmm. he already assumes he knows more than mm. the other people. So just imagine have you seen Doctor Strange? Uh, yes. Yeah. So just imagine Benedict Cumberbatch for the first oh. half hour of Doctor So is this going to be like, played example, by Benedict Cumberbatch? Uh, okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'll get to the casting in a minute, right? Um, yeah, it'll be a long day before I cast a Cumberbatch, right? <laughs> but um, so there's a bit in that where he gets his soul punched out of his body right. by, um, by Kate Blanchett's character. And then it's not it's not Kate Tilda Swinton's character, and then um, the next thing he does is disagree with people. And you're like going, dude, your soul was just punched <laughs> out of your body. At this point, you need to stop being the arrogant. I'm I'm a doctor back home. Like mm -hmm. you, you need to stop. That's my American accent. I'm a doctor. That might be better than Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent. It might accent. be better than. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Right. Um, so because of that, 
I had this idea that this guy is, even though he's actively going over seeking the knowledge, mm-hmm. that he is such an arrogant Westerner that he's just ignoring all of them and leading the problems. And that's what leads to people coming and attacking the madrasa mm. is because they're actively sending people up there and people are going up with stubbed toes and are dying because this dude's <laughs> got like shit on his fingers because he's a filthy Westerner, right? So it's just going to be a black comedy or even just a, a farce comedy mm-hmm. based around this guy being an absolute idiot who's decided he wants to be a doctor. That sounds great. And it can be, it can be um, kind of, like I said, a real fish out of water situation or what you generally get nowadays are comedies about the boorish American. So let's just think of this as the boorish English guy in 11th century going over mm. like, oh, I'm going to teach these people <laughs> how it's done, right? So as for casting, so as my main guy, still playing Rob, mm-hmm. right? I think it would be very funny um, to cast an actual Jewish actor. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to cast Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, and he'd he's be going good. To his thing. Now, so when he is on the way, he's going to fall in love with. Um, now I'm not I'm trying to think. You need to get somebody who's roughly the same age as him. So I'm going to go with Sarah Michelle Geller because mm-hmm. she can play Rebecca's character. I was going to say Sarah Michelle Geller is going to play a Jew. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller is a Jew, isn't she? Oh, is she? Oh, I guess actually Geller is a pretty Jewish sounding lad. This is ridiculous. I I, I feel like now I'm coming off as weirdly anti-Semitic despite being Jewish. Our second name is Jewish. Uh, yeah, no, Geller um, is actually a kind of Jewish sounding last name. Actually, yeah, I wonder if maybe her, I think her father might be Jewish and her mother might not be. Anyway, that's I don't, I don't know. I just, I just assume. Like her, let's, ju- let's just put it this way. A person whose second name is Geller and first name is Sarah Sarah Decker. It's a good chance that she's going to pass the Jew test. Yeah. Right? So she's going to play Rebecca. No, um, she is I want, Sorry, Sarah Michelle Geller. I want, I want the Shah to be played by the very sexy and very lovely Paul Rudd. Ooh. Um, Can you actually just I have want, them have sex, though? Oh, yeah. I mean, Sash Baron Cohen would be lucky to get a bit he of Paul would. Rudd. Um, I want even Cena to be played by Adrian Brody. Ooh. Is I really like Adrian Brody, and I think he could bring a little bit of menace. And I can, he's really good. He's very subtle in comedic roles. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see him just getting more and more annoyed mm-hmm. with Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> but because, like, if you imagine the way Ben Kingsley played the role of Ibn Cena, he's very reserved and kind of like standoffish, but kind of chuckling to himself as and proud. So I'd like to see Adrian Brody taking the same approach but just getting angrier and angrier <laughs> um and i'd like the barber to be played by uh god i need to find a middle-aged guy so let's just say jeff goldblum <laughs> so another another jewish man <laughs> and everybody is actually jewish so that's the thing is i want the barber to be played by a jewish actor and the idea is that this guy suddenly realizes the Jewish people are around him. He's like, oh, I need to pretend to be one of you guys, right? So, and then our main antagonist is uh, going to be the head of the self-jux. So we'll get Leave Shriver in because I just want to give Leave some more. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it. So that's what it's going to be. So it's going to be basically the same movie following the same plot, except it's going to be done for laughs and he's just this weird Westerner 
who has suddenly randomly decided that I need to be Jewish in order to be successful. That sounds great. I feel like you could even do a like, you know, you can't succeed in Broadway if you don't have any Jews parody. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what I'm talking about. It's going to be that sort of stuff, except in medicine, but also have him be this boorish English person who's like, oh, no, balls. Um, and just doing his own thing. And, uh, you know, um, like we can still have him trying to cure the side sickness, but have him cutting into the wrong side and stuff like that. <laughs> and like even... And like starting to do an autopsy and people come along going, nah, you know, if you want to do an autopsy, like we, we have a morgue. He's <laughs> like, no, I, it's, it's forbidden. And <laughs> have to do it downstairs, I think. And have him coming back and every day the body getting slightly more rotted and smelling worse <laughs> and stuff. So I think it could all work. I think that would be great. That sounds hysterical. I would definitely watch that movie. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and I would watch yours too because I think they both sound better than uh, even though I, we're going to get to that I was going to say it sounds better than the movie watched except we're in Estimatio um, where we get to say what rating we give the movie so since you went first in the last one I'll go first in this one and I am going to give this movie three stars and the reason I'm going to give it three stars is because one I was entertained by it two um, I found the actor's pretty much all to be good at what they were doing and trying to portray in it. Um, three, because <laughs> dude cuts off the top of his own dick in it. Um, oh, see, I can But I'm going to take points. I'm going to take points off because it is so long. <laughs> like, the, there's no reason this movie needs to be two hours. I think it was two and um, a half. Two and a half <laughs> hours, yeah. It, does, it doesn't need to be that way. And I also want to take points off because... Not even necessarily the historically accurate thing, but one of my pet peeves in movies is when people do stuff which isn't logical mm-hmm. and makes no sense, even when you think back on it. Like, I, I just recorded another podcast. We were talking about The Conversation, and somebody wrote that Gene Hackman's character in The Conversation does something which isn't logical mm-hmm. um, for his character. But I was arguing that it is logical because he's having a nervous breakdown. Mm. Okay. So him doing something out of character is what you would expect from somebody who's having a nervous right. breakdown. There are certain things in this movie which even if you... There's no way you can justify them banging in the hospital <laughs> on the other side of a screen door when it means death for both of them or at least for her. And also, like, she um, just recovered from the Black Death. So- from the black, she probably yeah, looks and feels like it. shit. Well, she looked like she felt pretty nice to him. <laughs> but as said, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Could have done with a bit more sword play too, which would have been nice. Not a lot of also, swords. him just deciding she's dead. <laughs> Guess I'll take off. <laughs> and then I'll just take off into the desert. Like it just it doesn't seem to make any mm. sense. But yeah, so three out of five. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Yeah, so I was going back and forth a lot on this movie because on the one hand, I actually, I came to this movie with very low expectations. As I said, my initial response to this movie was, well, Netflix clearly realized I have bad taste. And so now it's recommending Mm -hmm. I watch this movie. Um, But I will say I was kind of pleasantly surprised by it. There are a number of things that it did really Well, I really appreciated that somebody kind of took the effort to get some little things right about Judaism to slum. 
Um, mm -hmm. I really thought they did a pretty good job of portraying Ibn Sina, who was a really interesting figure. And in yeah. general, there are, and you know, I also thought the acting was good. And in general, I was like, you know, this was not a bad movie. I enjoyed it more than I expected to. On the other hand, the more I think about it, the more annoyed I am by the fact that the entire premise is wrong. <laughs> um, and especially, I will say, I'm feeling very irritated by this kind of presentation of the Islamic world, both as being ha having particularly intolerant toward Christians, which is incorrect, but also as... Uh, being, in fact, it seems less tolerant of Jews than the Christian world, which is also not correct. And what? Yeah, we're totally if you were if you were a Muslim in the Middle Ages, or sorry, if you were a Jew in the Middle Ages, you were way better off under Muslim than Christian rule for the most part. Fine, yeah. You just tell that story, <laughs> you people who killed our God. I mean, that's why you're saying, and then you were like dicks about it for a thousand years. Yeah, we hold a grudge. <laughs> More a thousand? More like at least eighteen hundred. Fine. Whatever. Greatest Whatever. greatest grudge holding in world history. It's it's up there with some of the best grudge. I'm not sure if it's the greatest, but it's pretty it's a pretty big grudge. Two two thousand year grudge for killing Jesus, which the Romans did like most of it. Yeah, we're not gonna we're get not gonna into get this into on this. the podcast. Okay. No. Um but the politics in particular of the way in which the Islamic world is presented really bother me, especially because I recently came across a book that a bunch of my students cited, essentially trying to make that argument that the Islamic world was more intolerant than the Christian world, but doing so very badly because you can't make that argument very well because it's wrong. Um, and he's, you know, doing that in the context of, you know, publishing a book for a press that explicitly is trying to spread conservative values. So mm. I am definitely bothered in particular by that specific inaccuracy as being something that maybe reflects some not great modern ideas about Islam. And mm. so because of that, I was initially thinking maybe a little higher, but I think I am going to stick with it out of three. Yeah, that's pretty good. I thought you were I thought you were gonna go for three point five. I was initially thinking Just, three point five and then I decided I was annoyed enough about the premise that I'm knocking it down to a three. I assumed you were gonna give it that extra point five because of how much you loved seeing Jewish guys on TV for the first time or Jewish people in the movie. That was a big time. plus. Also, like I'm really impressed they got the circumcision knife right. Like, good job, guys. Good well, good research. <laughs> I feel vaguely uncomfortable <laughs> talking about it. Okay, um, so yeah, so basically that, uh, again, we have roughly the same page when it comes to why movies are, what sort of ratings they are. And as I said, this is a better movie than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. For something that just randomly showed up in Sarah's Netflix queue <laughs> and was like, hey, watch this. Um, and she's told me, I didn't even, I'd never seen it, it never showed up in any nope, And I watched it. the same sort of medieval stuff that she does. And then suddenly it was like, oh, the physician, let's yeah. watch this. So, um, yeah, it was good. It was interesting. Sarah, would you like to tell people how they can get in contact with I us? I would love to. So, first of all, if you have been enjoying this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcasting platform. And also, if you have any feedback for us, we encourage you to get in touch with us via email. 
Our email address is media.evilpod at gmail.com. That's M-E-D-I-A dot E-V-A-L at gmail.com. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter at MediaEvilPod, where I will occasionally tweet things relevant to this podcast and the Middle Ages. And I will never tweet because I do not know how. And I just learned how and also got into my first Twitter fight last week. Ooh. Yeah. Did you win? Uh, I blocked the guy because uh, he said that he thought massacres again of the of the Jews in the Middle Ages were justified. So I decided maybe I didn't want this person uh, maybe being <laughs> able to find me. Um, oh, what a twat! Uh, oh. Because if you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me under my real name. So you can find me at Sarah H. Decker on either of those platforms. Um, and Ali, where else can they find you on the internet? You can find me at my other podcast. I do one called Best Acquaintances with my best friend, Emily. Um, we are two people who've never met and we record interviews with people that we only know from the internet. So we basically pick one of our friends that we know from various Facebook groups. We give them a Skype call and we just talk to them about you know themselves. And it turns out that everybody is interesting. Like People say, oh, no, I can't talk about anything. There's nothing, there's nothing interesting about me. And then literally every single episode, you'll find at least one or two nuggets of pure gold where people are telling you stories. And it just turns out that they've they've lived pretty much amazing lives. Every single person at some stage has done something extraordinary to the rest of us. It might feel ordinary to you, but it's extraordinary to people who aren't living through it at the time. Um, that's how myself and Sarah mm-hmm. met. Uh, hers is a very good episode. And it's uh, it's really great. I recommend it to everybody. So it's called Best Acquaintances. And you can find us in the Best Acquaintances podcast group on Facebook as well, which is just full of nice people doing nice stuff. Absolutely. It's good. Um, so I think that's everything for today. But so uh, what movie are we going to be talking about next time? Sarah, I think we should change tack. And it, just because I was talking about comedies... I think we should maybe do a comedy that's set in the medieval period. Now, one thing I will say about this is this next movie has quite difficult themes in a little bit of places. There might be some witchcraft in it. There might be some some nuns doing nun stuff. Like having sex. So (laughs) there's a lot of sexual there's a lot of sexual content in this movie. (laughs) I didn't even tell you which movie we're gonna do, but I guess we're gonna do a movie called the Little Hours, um, starring Aubrey Plaza and uh, and Alison Brie and John C. Riley and, and uh, yeah, little I, little Franco, Dave Franco, and Dave Franco, yeah, which who I don't find enjoyable as an actor at all, but I know loads of people who do. But yeah, so it's called The Little Hours, and uh, that's what we're going to be doing for next week. Yeah, so we look forward to seeing you then. And seeing you then. All right, Sarah, always a pleasure. You too. And, and we'll chat absolutely. next week. Bye, Bye everybody. Everyone.